sing that song every week. It'll be all right with me. Hey, I want to say um, thank you to uh, the people that are sitting out in the lobby right now um, in Overflow. Um, we honestly are blown away that this many people showed up. As a pastor, I, I walked out last night and the room was packed and I was like, there, there's nobody coming tomorrow. Nobody's coming. They all came Saturday night. There's nobody. And then I showed up at 9.15. I'm like, nobody's coming to 11 o'clock. And then um, now you know why I don't play the lottery because I get everything wrong. Um, so we're super happy that you're here. I, uh, I want to start out by just talking about time stamping something that uh, most of us probably remember when. Like I can say, hey, do you remember where you were when blank? And I want to talk about where were you when you discovered that this COVID thing was going to be a, a pretty big deal. Now, it, now, don't say, I knew it from the start. No, you didn't because nobody did. None of us, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, nobody took it seriously at first. Am I right? Nobody took it serious. I mean, they were, they were talking about, they couldn't even get the, the name right. They would call it COVID-19 or Corona, COVID-19 or Corona. And I was like, oh my gosh, is it COVID-19 or a, or a beer? Like, I couldn't figure that out. And, and when they first started talking about it, I was like, it's not a big deal. Because we've had swine flu, bird flu, dog flu, cat flu. We've had all the flus, so we're not going to be, nobody's going to. And then it started getting a little bit more serious. Then it started getting a little bit more serious. And everybody's talking about, I'm going to tell y'all exactly where I was when I discovered it was going to be a big deal. It was a Tuesday evening, and Karis, my daughter and I, were at the Waffle House. Now, if you're a Southern, if you're a transplant, in the South, Waffle House is the greatest meal you'll ever have. It only stays with you for about an hour, so you'll, you'll be fine. But, but Waffle Houses and Dollar Generals, it's like somebody just started building them. There's a Dollar General in the middle of a cow pasture somewhere. I've literally been driving down the road going, what the heck? And there's people shopping. So anyway, I went into the Waffle House, and Karis and I went to this one particular Waffle House so much that the, the cook would see my truck pull in and just start cooking our food. And because he knew what we wanted. So I walk, he walked over to the table and he sat down and I said, how you doing? And he, he said, man, I'm not doing good. And this was really weird because he was always doing good. I said, I said, um, what's wrong? He said, we got to shut down. And I, I thought, are y'all remodeling or whatever? And he went, no, he said, man, this, this COVID stuff is shutting us down. And I looked at Karis and I said, this is freaking serious. Because <laughs> the Waffle House don't shut down, ever. There could be a, a blizzard with 17 feet of snow and the Waffle House is open. Am I right? Yet at the coast, there could be a category five hurricane come straight through. Everything's usually destroyed except the Waffle House. And the Waffle House people are there with smiles on their faces, pouring your coffee. I mean, it blows my mind. That's when I discovered it was going to be a big deal. I discovered it. Some people discovered it. I, I, did you discover it in a prayer time? Nope. I was at the Waffle House. Now, somebody asked me this question during COVID, and I thought it was a very fair question. By the way, I don't know is an answer. But it was a fair question. Here was the question. Pastor P, if Jesus is so powerful and Jesus is so real 
and Jesus wants what's best for us, and Jesus can heal people, then why doesn't he just show up and cure everybody of COVID? And I said, I don't know. I believe all those things about Jesus, but, but during COVID, a lot of people ask that question, where is Jesus? And if we're all honest, now I'm just putting my cards on the table and telling you this is true of me. During COVID, many of us, if not all of us, got set back a little bit spiritually. Like we, we, we kind of grew up, maybe we took a step or two away from the closeness that we used to have with God. It, it, statistics show that, that we got set back spiritually. And if that's you, I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just confirms that you're human because I, got, I felt like I took some steps back. I feel like just about everybody that I know that's honest took some steps back spiritually during COVID. But for, but for some people, it wasn't COVID that caused you to ask, where is Jesus? It was your, it was your child getting sick or your aging parents, or the doctor call saying, we, you gotta come in, we gotta talk about this latest test. It was the job loss or the divorce or your parents getting divorced or getting kicked out of school. It, it, there's so many things in life that happen to us that cause us to ask the question, where was Jesus? If he's so good and he's so powerful and he's so real, then where is he right now? And I'm telling you, he's still in the story. He's always in the story. He's just not there the way we think he's there sometimes. And I want to prove it to you by talking about a story that's very familiar. I won't push the pause button real quick. There's a lot of people in this room going, he's going to talk about the Easter story. We'll get there, but we're going to get there a different direction, all right? Jesus said in Luke 15, 11, to illustrate the point further, and the point that Jesus was illustrating is lost things or lost people matter to God. He had just told a story of a lost sheep and a lost coin, and now he's telling the story of two lost sons. It's not just one lost son, it's the two. We'll talk about that second guy another time. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. So what this is called in, in literature is called character development. If you've ever seen a movie or read a book, you know all about the fact that they have to develop the characters when they're getting into the story, am I right? So in most books or movies, you got good guy and bad guy. Good guy, bad guy. Or good girl, bad girl. Okay, everybody happy? <laughs> I'm gonna leave it alone, okay? Okay, so I just, that's another message for another time. So, so, well, this is what we call call and response. I'm gonna put something on the screen. You tell me good guy or bad guy. Now, some of y'all are charismatic. You're used to speaking out in church. That's great. Some of y'all are Baptists. You're only used to speaking out during business meetings. We're not voting on anything. And some of you are Presbyterians and you're only used to speaking at each other at the liquor store. So we're, but we're all gonna get together and, and talk. It's okay. So tell me, good guy or bad guy? Good guy, good guy. Somebody in the last service sitting right here said, who's that? We kicked them out of church. Um, that is Luke Skywalker, um, the, the Jedi, not the rapper. Um, uh, so good guy. 
My God. I know, I know, I know we became good later, but, but I, love, I love Darth Vader. I named my first dog Vader. I really did after Darth Vader, and then neighbor shot him, but that's a different story. Um, good guy, bad guy. Here we go. Okay, yeah, good guy. How about, yeah, you don't even really have to see the movie to understand that. Need some nose surgery, don't he? Now, this next one, it, it's, it's going to cause some confusion. Just be honest. Nobody said anything. Y'all just laughed. I didn't even get a good, like last service said, good guy. Most of it depends on your Google search history, all right? I'm, I'm going to say good guy. So if this is good guy, then... The reason I keep this picture is because there, there, any, you go through times in your life where you feel like, man, my life is horrible, and it, it can't get any worse. And I just pull up this picture, and I feel better about myself. So Jesus said, Jesus said that a, that, a, that a father had two sons. So that's what we've got so far. We've got a father, and the father in this story is God, and he's a, you know, he's a good father, and he's got two sons. Now, one son is religious, and the other son is rebellious. And if we were to take a vote right down the middle, um, we would have probably, uh, in this church, I would say probably 20% religious, 80% rebellious, because we're honest here. Like, the religious people are the people that can't have a normal conversation, you know? You're like, hey, man, uh, the parking lot, so look at that son. Oh, my gosh, every time I see the son, I just want to follow worship the Father. Yeah, I just want to, I just want to get a tan. <laughs> Rebellious people are the people that, that we're just, if, if you walk by a wall and it says, do not touch, Like you're, like you're all up on the wall, okay? So, so this is the father. The father it represents God. He's got two sons. He's one that's religious and lost, one that's rebellious and lost. And, and we're, we're about to see how lost the rebellious son gets in just a second. Um, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Is he entitled? Does he feel entitled? See, I love it when people go, oh, the, today's young people, they're just so entitled. It's brand new. No, it's been going on for about 2,000 years. It's been going on. But can you imagine, because in Hebrew culture, you only got your inheritance after the father died. So when Jesus is telling this story, his original audience, they kind of step back and gasp a little bit because what the younger son's telling his father is this, you're dead to me. I'm not interested in this relationship, listen, there's nothing I can do about the fact that you're my father and I'm your son, but you know what? I don't have to have fellowship with you. I want what's mine and I want to go. So, so the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons, which is crazy. Like, are you going to really do that? Well, that's what he wanted. Watch this. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Isn't that crazy? 
Has there ever been a time in your life where you wish somebody would have stepped in and told you, that's a dumb decision, don't do it? Mm-hmm. Some of you, 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 you drove that dumb decision to church today, right? Some of you are like, I'm sitting next to that dumb decision. And well, that's another, we can talk about that later. Don't, don't, don't do that. But all of us have been down the road where we were about to make a mistake and somebody could have stepped in. Hey, it happened to me. I went, listen, y'all, I'm from Easley, South Carolina. We're not sophisticated or refined. We're, we're one town away from Pickens, okay? So... So I had some friends several years ago, and they were like, you want to go eat sushi? And I was like, not really. And they, I was like, and they were describing it to me, and I was like, yeah, y'all call it sushi. When I was growing up, we called it bait. <laughs> That's when we went fish. And they were like, oh, it's so good, and it's sophisticated. And I was like, well, I'll go with everybody. But, but like, I'm, I need something cooked, and I don't want no eel. I want no octopus. I want something cooked. You got to make sure it's cooked. And so we finally got to the restaurant. It took me about 10 minutes to find something on the menu I actually wanted. And they brought, you know, they brought everybody's sushi out, and everybody's all sophisticated, and they're eating. Well, I don't eat with chopsticks. I use a fork or my fingers. That's how I'm from Easley. <laughs> but what was awesome about this sushi restaurant, is um, I love guacamole. And they had guacamole <laughs> next with the sushi. It was amazing. So the first piece of... Sushi, it's not a lie. I took it and I just put guacamole all over it and everybody at the table staring at me. And I'm thinking, they obviously don't understand that, that somebody, like the Hispanics and the Japanese got together and made a guacamole sushi roll. This is going to be the best day of my life. And I put it in my mouth. It wasn't guacamole. What was it? Wasabi, right? I was, words came out of my mouth that are not in the Bible. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It was not my finest moment. Thank God nobody was videoing this. And, but I was thinking for the next, I said, why didn't somebody say something? And they were all like, we just wanted to see you suffer. All right. I was so not my friends anymore. Kick them all out of my friend circle. But we've all done that. We've all done those stupid stuff, and we wish. Just like right here. Isn't this a great place for Jesus to step in the story and say, listen, 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 before you go, before you go, you just need to understand a couple things. You can walk away from the Father's presence. But when you leave his presence, you're also leaving his protection and his provision. So if you want to go, you can go. But I wouldn't do it. Because I can show you a, I can show you a slideshow of how you're about to blow up your life. That, that would have been great if Jesus would have done that, right? But he didn't do it. Great opportunity for Jesus to step in, and he doesn't step in. And, and you know why? It's because, you know, sometimes when we're walking away from God, we can't hear anything else but that rebellious call that we are. For, for example, my second favorite city in the world is London. Love London. My first favorite city in the world is Jerusalem. And my third is Las Vegas. Not making that up. It really is. I love Las Vegas. And just so y'all know, because I know that I have never lost one single dollar in Las Vegas. I lost a couple hundred, but, but I didn't, I've never lost a dollar, all right? 
But I went to London. I went to London, and um, I had my I had a, like one of those fancy cameras with me before phone. Like you could take it on your phone. I had a fancy camera, and I was taking pictures. And there was like Big Ben and Parliament and Buckingham Palace and all that other stuff. It was great. And, and there was those big red buses. Y'all know those big red buses. Y'all know what I'm talking about the big red buses. And I, I took a picture of one because I was so fascinated by this big red bus. And I wanted to show y'all my photography skills. This is the picture I took of the big red bus. <laughs> so, and I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor P, you were too close to the bus. You're right. And you know what happens to us when we drift from God spiritually? We can only focus on that one thing, that we lose sight of all the beauty around us. We focus on that one thing that we want, and we walk away. And it doesn't matter who says what. It doesn't matter who prays. We're going to do what we're going to do. And that's what the youngest son's attitude was. But inevitably, Jesus goes on to say, about, that, about this time, his money ran out. <laughs> I love that verse because... Every once in a while, you'll meet somebody in church, and maybe you're here, you're skeptical, and you're like, I, I can't identify with anything in the Bible. How about that verse? About that time, his money ran out. Okay? A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He never starved when he was with the father. But he got away from the father. It was fun for a while. Y'all, I say it all the time. If sin is not fun, you're not doing it right. He was having fun. But then the party was over and he began to starve. Now, we don't know famine or starvation here in the upstate of South Carolina. The closest we get is when an ice storm hits and we got to go to the store and get bread and milk. Why? I don't know, but we just, we, that's where we go and that's what we do. But this is, this is like no food going to die if he doesn't do something. So, so he's persuaded a local farmer to hire him, which he had never worked a day in his life, really. So he's, he's going to go to work. And the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, when Jesus said this, once again, the audience is like gross because Jewish people do not eat pork. I've been to Israel 16 times. There are no barbecue restaurants in Israel, not even in southern Israel, all right? So, so he goes and he's, he's feeding the pigs, and then, then it gets worse. Watch this. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, I'll bet you my last Bible that if you were to sit down with this guy before he walked away from the Father and said, what's, what's your dream? What's your dream? What do you want in life? He wouldn't have said, man, I hope that one day I can lay with the pigs and eat what they eat. He didn't plan on that. Like, if you're in this room or you're watching online, and you blew up your life at some point, you didn't plan on it. It was a, it was a gradual thing. It was a gradual thing. I, I know this, I'm, I'm an expert in this subject. That's why, that's why this would have been a great place for Jesus to enter the story, warned him what was gonna happen, or at least met him in the, in the pig pen. Don't, don't, have you ever read warning labels? 
Warning labels are put on products because some idiot did what the warning label is telling you not to do. For example, remove child before folding. I'm not sure. <laughs> but somebody was like, hey, found a way to save some time. We just fold up little Freddy in the, you know, it's like, this next one, this, this next one, it's on a microwave oven and somebody did it, right? Do not use for drying pets. <laughs> Can't get a chance to dry, just uh, stick it in the microwave. <laughs> Somebody told me this, though, years ago, and it stuck with me. It's one of those phrases that I'll never forget, and I hope it sticks with you, and it's this. Sin will make you go further than you want to go, stay longer than you want to stay, and pay more than you want to pay. It will. S sin will take you so far away from God that you'll do things you said you would never do and you'll wind up in places you thought you would never wind up. If you'd have asked me 10 years ago, hey man, where you see that like over the next 10 years, what do you think you're gonna accomplish in life? I would have never told you, I'm gonna graduate a rehab center. But you know what? Sin took me to place. I, I listen, you wanna talk about hell? Tucson, Arizona in July and August, 110 degrees. And you always meet that person that goes, yeah, but it's a dry heat. It's 110 degrees, you idiot. It's hot. <laughs> Sin will do that to us. It'll play with us and then it'll destroy us. It's kind of like, see this every year. Every year, see it. I'm going to make fun of it. I'm going to catch heat for making fun of it. And the next time I have an opportunity, I'm going to make fun of it again. Every year, you see it. It happens usually on the East Coast or the West Coast. There's some family and they're traveling along and they pull off the side of the road and there's this little souvenir stand that has like the snow globe, which it never snows there, but they got the snow globe and the wood carvings and you can find your name in a, in a bracelet or a necklace. And then there, inevitably there's the grizzly bear and the grizzly bear is named Ben. You got Ben the grizzly bear and you can have your picture taken with the grizzly bear and the whole family gets up and they're smiling and Ben is happy and you get your family picture taken with a grizzly bear. And then one day, family shows up and, and Ben the grizzly bear eats the family. And the news shows up and they're doing a story and everybody says the same thing. We can't believe the bear ate people. And I'm always looking at the television going, it's a bear. Grizzly bears are wired to kill. They eat people. You can't play with them. Let's push it a little further because when I thought about this a few years ago, I really got in a lot of trouble. At SeaWorld, several years ago, any death's a tragedy, but the person that died was killed by a killer whale. A, a killer whale. At what point does somebody think I'm going to get in the tank with a killer whale and I'm going to train it. You can't train an apex predator to not kill. You can have it thinking, oh, he loves me and I can, I can rub on him and I can hug him. But eventually a killer whale is going to do what it's programmed to do. It's going to kill. And that's what sin does every single time. It will kill our joy. It will kill our hope. It will kill our peace. 
And for some people, it even kills our belief that Jesus loves us or cares about us. Because if Jesus loved me or cared about me, how could he let this happen? I don't, I don't do a lot of counseling because I'm not good at it. Because people love to blame stuff on God and it's not his fault. I had a couple come to me one time. They were dating, not married, weren't married, wanted to get married, but weren't married, but they were pregnant. And the girl looked at me and she said, how could Jesus let this happen? And I said, baby, let's follow the science. You got, do I need, like Jesus didn't let it happen. I, talk, I, met, a guy, I met a guy one time had a DUI. How could Jesus let this happen? That's not the question, sir. How could you take 17 shots of fireball and then walk to your car and drive home? Better question. How could Jesus let me get arrested? How could you have a bag of weed under your front seat of your car and think that's gonna be okay? It, don't we blame some stuff on God that's not God's fault at all? And so he gets to this place that's just not good for him. And this would have been a great time for Jesus to kind of step in because in the Bible, uh, in Psalms, David says, he pulled me out of the pit. I was struggling and he pulled me out of the pit and he needs Jesus, but Jesus isn't in the story. Not yet. And so he goes on to say, when he finally came to his senses, let me pause real quick and say this. And I say this with 100% sincerity. I get a lot of people because of my past that reach out to me and say, will you pray with my husband, my brother, my uncle, my aunt, my cousin? Um, will you talk to them because they, they are an addict or they're wrestling with addiction? And if they could talk to you or pray with you, you could help them. And I want you to understand, I don't have a magic pill. I don't have a magic prayer. There's nothing magical about what... You don't need me to pray for them. What we need to pray for together is that they will come to their senses because until they want to get better, they're not going to get better. You got to want it. You, you got, I'm talking to somebody right now, that, right now in this room, you're struggling with addiction. You can't do it for your family. You can't do it for your friends. You've got to want it. And it's still a fight. But I'm telling you this, if God can bring me through it, he can bring you through it, 100%. So he came to his senses, and watch what he said. He said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food, food, enough to spare. And, I'm, and here I am dying of, of hunger. Now, let me pause and just ask an obvious question. What was his primary motivation for wanting to go home. Talk to me. Food, that's right. It wasn't, oh, I miss the presence of the Father. He's like, no, I'm hungry. Can, can we say his motives for going home weren't the best spiritually? Can we agree on that, yes or no? Yes, he had wrong motives. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you, go, you had the wrong motives. God can take the wrong motives and get you to the right place. That's what he did with me. My friend David invited me to church for a year. I was like, nope, nope, 
Nope, nope, nope. You know what got me? It wasn't, do you want to come and experience the presence of God? He said, dude, I'm telling you, we have hot girls in our church. And I said, how many services y'all got? What time can I be there? And do we have a Bible study? And is there a Wednesday night? Like, I was ready. Now, he didn't tell me that, he didn't tell me the hot crazy meter, and that's another message for another time, but because... Because sometimes some hot Christian girls are crazy. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Did y'all know? Don't point. No, no, sir, don't do that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> My motives for going to church wasn't to get to, to meet Jesus. My motives were to get with girls. And God took the wrong motives and got me to the right place. That's, that's who he is. He, he, can, he can work with anything. He can work with anyone. It's, it's amazing the work that he can do. No, nobody in this room is beyond somebody that God can use. I promise you that. So, so he said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. But then he was like, but I got to say something to dad. And I don't want to just go, dad, I'm hungry, because that'd be kind of weird, even though it's true. And then he started thinking about what he did. And, and watch how powerful this is. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. That's powerful. He said, I'm gonna go home and say, Dad, I messed up. That's it. He, he's, not, he's not gonna list out all his sins. He just said, I, I'm, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. So there's confession involved. He just says, basically, I'm sorry for what I did. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This is what happens. When we walk away from God and we get in a place that we thought we'd never get, we're convinced there's no way we could ever have the relationship we used to have. So I might as well stay here because there's no way I could work this bad stuff off. And let me tell you, for those of you thinking, I can't come back to God because there's no way I could have the relationship that I once had, you're partially true. It's partially true. You can't have the relationship that you once had. It can be better. Years ago, when I was sitting down in my personal quiet time, God gave me a line and I wrote this down and I've never forgot it. Second chance does not mean second class. Sometimes you gotta get the second chance to understand how good the grace of God is in the first place. So he, he thinks he's gonna have to work all this bad stuff off, that which is what we think, which is what, what we think. And, and the, the Bible says, so he returned home to his father. Now, what do you think is about to happen when he gets home? Now, if you know the story, you know, but like if the Jesus audience, they didn't know what was gonna happen. So Jesus goes on and says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Don't you love the fact that the father was looking for him? I love that. And, and not in a way, because some of us have been told, God, God's watching you, but it's like God's watching you because he wants to get you. But no, 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 no. The father's looking at him, and the father saw him coming, filled with anger and rage. No, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. 
And this is where everybody who was listening to Jesus tell this story that had a weak stomach just turned to the side and vomited a little because the boy was covered in, in, in pig crap. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, when, when's your next book coming out? And I said, man, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully the end of this year is what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working on it right now. I've been, I've been working on it for two years, but that makes me feel better when I say I've been working on it. I'm working on it. And I've got a couple books I want to write about some, some of the stuff I've learned in my story and leadership. But let me tell you the book I'm never going to write. I'm never going to write a parenting book. If I did, it would call it how to, how to Make Sure Your Child Goes to Therapy One Day. I could write that book. I could write it good. But parenting, if you're a parent, you know, parenting, is, it, it's kind of like you can do everything right and still have a crazy kid. And you can do everything wrong and have, a, have an incredible kid. But so I don't, I don't give a lot of parenting advice. But what I do is I will tell young parents a couple things. First of all, I tell young parents, don't listen to everybody else because they're going to try to freak you out. You know, the people that, oh my God, you're having a kid, your life's over, you're not going to get any sleep, it's going to suck, the rest of your life, you're going to hate you. I don't think that, I think kids are awesome. They're wonderful. But I will tell every young parent this because nobody told me this. You better be ready for the blowout. (laughs) Mom and dad, am I right? Am I right? Let me tell you about the blowout. The blowout's gonna happen somewhere between three months and two years old. It's not gonna happen in a private place and it's not gonna happen in their crib or it's not gonna happen in their carrier. It might, that you might get a bonus child that does it in all those places, but it's gonna happen while you're holding your child in your hand. It's gonna start off great because your child is going to look at you and smile and you're gonna think he or she is so happy right now. They're not happy. They are happy. They're happy that what's inside them is coming out. And when it comes out, dear God, it's like you're going to be like, my kid is demon possessed because all of hell just came out of this child. And it's going to get on your arm. It's going to get on your clothes. It's it's going to be nasty. Am I right, parents? Okay, let me tell you what you're not going to do. Let's let's pretend this this is right here is the baby. It's a tiny baby. But, but let's pretend this is the baby and you're holding your baby and the baby has a blowout. Let me, show, let me tell you what I've never seen a parent do. I've never seen a parent go, oh my God! You gotta be kidding me with that! Oh! You're just like your mama. Some of y'all laughed a little too hard when I was saying, anyway. You know what? Clean yourself up, and when you get yourself clean and presentable, come back to me, but until then, you are not my child. There's no parent on the planet that would do that to their child. If we wouldn't do that to our children and we're imperfect parents, why do we think God, who's a perfect father, would do that to us? God doesn't say clean up, then come home. God says, come home and I'll clean you up. That's the deal. And so, (laughs) but what's funny is is the father runs to him and he embraced him, embraced him, kissed him. Don't forget that embrace thing. He's embracing him, he's holding him. Why is he doing that? Well, because religious people are mean. Religious people kill people. Did you know that? I, this next part, this is for the person. I'm going to make everybody really uncomfortable. 
This is where the person is like, I believe and follow the whole Bible. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can believe the whole Bible, but you don't follow the whole Bible because if you follow this next section, you, you would be in jail. You're saying you don't believe the whole Bible? No, I believe the whole Bible. I just believe Jesus fulfilled the law so we, don't, we, 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 we are under grace. Because this next part, let me, let, let me tell you what, what should have happened to the younger son when he came home. The father's protecting him from it because had the older brother had seen him before the father saw him, this is what the older brother would have done. Check this out. I still got some people, I followed, I listened, listened to Mildred. We followed the Bible. Hold on, Hank. Deuteronomy 21. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. None of y'all have done this. Let's keep going. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So basically you throw the kid under the bus. Now would this description been true of the son that walked away from the father? Yes, he was a glutton and a drunkard. And then, and then what happens next is that all the men of this town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. You don't say. Now, I, I imagine discipline was a little easier back in the day. When you got your kid, hey, 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 boy, hey, boy. Did you hear what happened to Teddy? Mm-hmm. He went to a rock concert, buddy, and not the kind you think of. I, you, I will take you to see the, like, mm-mm. So, so according to the law, the younger son should have been killed when he came home. So when the father embraces him, he's saying, you want to throw rocks at my boy? You've got to go through me. That's the father we serve. He took our punishment. But as we're reading the story, Jesus still hasn't shown up. Not in the pig pen, not on the way back home. Maybe he's going to show up next. And so the father, he's, he said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So he's, he's starting into a speech, and the dad just cuts him off. Don't even listen to him. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Now, you know what a religious person thinks when they read this? Eh, it's a bit too early. I mean, let's not go crazy. The boy just got back home. Of course he's going to say all the right things and do all let's give it about. Let's give it about a week. Let's not throw a party. Let's just do DoorDash and get him some Subway and get him kind of tucked away a little bit. Let's just get his belly full. He'll be all, but let's not go crazy. But what I think what God would say in return is, listen, we're not celebrating his behavior. We're celebrating the fact that the relationship has been renewed. And I'm so glad today that Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so we could establish a behavior modification program. He died on a cross so that broke down, busted, beat up people can walk into the presence of God and he doesn't say, go clean yourself up. He says, welcome home. We're gonna change the way you look. We're gonna change. And think, think about it. Think about it. This is what I get excited about. 
as this young boy is there with his robe and his ring and his sandals. He has to be looking around going, you know what? I lost a lot, but it looks like I still got a lot left. I lost a lot, but I got, and that's what I've been thinking all weekend, this weekend. Never in a million years would I have ever imagined that I would ever pastor again or ever see a church packed out, not once, not twice, but three times. I lost a lot, but you know what? I got a lot left. And if that's true for me, it's true for you. You may have lost a lot at some point in your life, but you still got, God still has a plan for your life. You still got a lot left. Jesus still hadn't shown up. Where's Jesus? I'm about to show you. When I show you, you won't be able to, you know, like, once you see it, you can't not see it. Kind of like the FedEx logo. You know what I'm talking about, the FedEx logo? Once you see the arrow, you can't unsee it. Some of you are like, I don't see an arrow. It's right there. You're welcome. <laughs> you can impress your friends this week when you're driving down the road. Hey, 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 see that arrow? FedEx logo, mm-hmm. Where'd you learn that, my church? We're deep. <laughs> What'd you learn about God? Uh, we learned something about Jesus that never shows up, but there's a FedEx logo right there. <laughs> the, re- the reason I say that is because once somebody showed me that, I can't not see the arrow. And one day I was reading through and I discovered where Jesus was in this story and it blew my mind. Let me show you. And kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. I thought for a minute, I said, kill the calf? What'd the calf do? The calf is an innocent animal. It's the best that the family had. Why would you kill an innocent animal to celebrate a rebellious Oh, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the world to pay for our sins so that we could step back into relationship anytime we decide to come to our senses and walk home. That's what I think church should be. Not a place where religious people throw rocks at people and give them the stink eye when they haven't been there for three weeks. But I want you to be able to always walk in this place. I don't care if you haven't quite sobered up yet, or I don't care if you had a two-hour quiet time. The banner over this church will always say, welcome home, because that's the kind of God that we serve. (laughs) Jesus paid the price so we could celebrate. Jesus paid the price. He was in the story the whole time because the price had to be paid so the celebration could take place. How does this tie into Easter? I'm glad you asked because on Friday, there was extreme sorrow in all the followers of Jesus. I'm, not talking, about, I'm talking about the people that followed Jesus, that, gave, that dedicated their life to him when they saw him taken away and murdered on a cross There was sorrow. They were thinking, we've done something wrong. We've done something bad. We said we were gonna follow Jesus and we got it wrong. And there are people in this room 
today that you are in a place of sorrow. Sorrow because of what's been done to you. Sorrow because of what you're going through. And I'm telling you, if you're full of sorrow, Jesus knows exactly where you are and he will meet you there. Maybe it's not sorrow. Maybe you stepped over into the silence of Saturday. You know, Saturday after Jesus died was silent. There was nothing, there was no movement, there were no angels, there were no anything. And, and maybe you're here today and you feel like God has gone completely silent in your life. You, you feel like God is, like your prayers hit the ceiling. When you open the Bible, you can't, you, you struggle to even believe anymore because of the silence. But just remember, listen, listen, don't forget this. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that God is absent. In fact, God usually does his best work behind the stage where nobody can see it. But let me promise you something. If you feel stuck in Friday or you feel stuck in Saturday, Sunday's coming. And Sunday equals celebration. Because the people that were full of sorrow on Friday and the full people that were full of doubt because of the silence on Saturday, on Sunday, when Jesus showed up, there was celebration. And Jesus wants us to step out of sorrow and out of silence into celebration. There's not a person in this room that has strayed too far. There is not a person in this room that is too far gone. God loves you and today he is calling so many of us to simply take a step and come back home. Why would you not? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing better. There's nothing better than knowing that your walk with God is where it needs not perfect. There's nothing better. This world, the outside, there's nothing better that this world can offer. There's nothing better that anyone can offer better than Jesus. And so for the person here that's far from God, like you, you are a Christian, but you're far from God, today's the day where you're gonna take a step and come back home. And for those who have never met Jesus, today's the day you need to understand God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our sins and he rose from the dead so we can have life. And there's nothing better. I've tried everything this world has to offer and I'm telling you there's nothing better. So Jesus, right now, I just wanna thank you, God, for every single person in this room that knows what I just preached is true that there's nothing better than you, that you love us and that you are for us and that you are with us and you will never abandon us. Even when we can't feel it, we gotta know it. So Father, I pray over these next few moments that you will build our faith and that you'll build our hope and we will know, Jesus, there's nothing better than you. This world has nothing to offer that can compare with you. There is nothing better than knowing that we can walk home anytime. There's nothing better than knowing that we are forgiven. There's nothing better than knowing that we are restored. There, Jesus, I just wanna thank you that there is nothing better than you. There is no one greater than you. And I wanna pray for us, Jesus, today. That there is, I wanna thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in you. Well, heads bowed and eyes closed right now. Maybe you have a relationship with God. Maybe you're a Christian, but maybe you stepped away. Maybe you're not where you used to be. And today, you just need to tell Jesus, I'm taking a step toward home. 
Jesus, I'm coming back to you. I'm, I'm starting my journey back. And if that's you, just right where you are, you can just turn that into your private altar and just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm coming back to you. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And maybe that's because you, you, you've never thought about it. Maybe it's because you've already rejected it. Or maybe it's because today you realize for the first time you need Jesus in your life so your sins can be paid for and you can be made right with God. If that's you in this room or online, I want you to pray with me right now. I just want, to, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I wanna celebrate with you. I wanna pray for you, I wanna celebrate with you. So I'm gonna count to three, and when I hit three, I want you, I want you to, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand straight up in the air because I want to pray for you and celebrate with you. Here we go. One, two, three. Straight up in the air if you, if you pray to receive Christ. Straight up. Amen. Hold them up. 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 There's hands all over the room. Keep them held up. Keep them held high. Father, Father, I want to thank you for these hands. I want to thank you for these hands in the air, God, that people just crossed over from death to life. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are active and alive. Jesus, not just on Easter, but every single day of the week. I pray that as we walk out of this place, we would walk out of this place knowing that you love us based on who you are, not what we've done. That your grace is amazing. That your plans are amazing. That you are amazing. And that you want for us more than we actually want for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We ask this in your name. And everybody that agreed said, amen and amen. I'm so glad you came to church. Are you glad you came to church today? We'll see you back here next Sunday for communion. Y'all have a great week. Happy Easter.